0: Well, Father God, we thank you for the fact that your spirit is here. It's evident all around us. We thank you for the fact that, Jesus, you walked out of that grave. That you're here with us today, looking each one of us straight in the eye. Oh, Lord Jesus, we are so grateful. So much in awe of what you've done for us we give you all the praise and glory for what you have done for us dying on the cross and rising again so that we can have a relationship with you lord jesus thank you and father thank you for teaching us through your word as well as you do teach us through your scripture i pray that you impress upon us the message you want us to hear that my lips are your lips my heart is your heart father and that you impress upon us this message this powerful message of you the resurrection of the lord jesus christ And Father, I pray that we aren't just hearers of the word, but we will be doers of it as well. And I ask all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning. We want to welcome you all. Uh, My name is Jared Ott, and I'm the senior pastor here. Glad that you're here with us today. This is an awesome time of worship. An awesome time to be here at Christ Church. And it's amazing because we are really celebrating the risen King. And that's why we have uh, the, the, the smoke and the lasers and all the worship that goes into it. Why? Because it really is a celebration, isn't it? It really is a celebration. You have to understand that the resurrection really is the core to our Christian faith. It's the core to our Christian faith. If Jesus never walked out of that grave, then everything that we would believe in would really fall apart, wouldn't it? How could we ever spend eternity with somebody who's not alive? But he is alive. He walked out of that that tomb. And millions of people around the world are celebrating the fact that he walked out of that tomb. And so that's why we celebrate here today. You know, it's a really great opportunity. I know that we've been talking about this. If you've been with us over the past few weeks, we've been in our series, 24 Hours That Changed the World. And we've been looking at the various encounters of Jesus leading up to his death and resurrection. And through that time, myself and John and Pastor Jamie have been talking about those various encounters, and I had the great opportunity, and we've been kind of showing you pictures to get you there, of uh, being in Israel, and actually being where the place where the tomb actually was, being where Christ died and being where he rose again. And it was a a really unique opportunity last year, and I remember going, and there's two locations actually in Israel where they believe that the tomb was. Uh, One was found much later. But the traditional place is the Church of the Holy Sepulcher, right there in the old town of Jerusalem. And I remember thinking, I'm going to go, this is going to be my the one opportunity to go and have a nice quiet time at the tomb. To have, a, to have just a, a nice peaceful opportunity to spend there and celebrate what Christ did. But then I got there and I realized 100,000 other people had the same idea that day. Here's a picture of the church, uh, the tomb of the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. You'll see lines just wrapped around this tomb. Here's another picture from the top. Hundreds and thousands of people just piling in there every day. And the, the tomb is built, so there's a huge church built over this, this tomb. And then here's a picture of the front of the tomb. It's very memorialized. You'll see there's, there's incense burning so much. My eyes were actually burning, my contacts. I just wanted to pull them out. All the incense that was burning, the gold, the jewels, everything. And it was powerful. And this church is built right over this, this tomb. And it's very memorialized. So needless to say, I didn't get to the quiet time at the tomb that day. I was just shuffled around with a bunch of other people. But then they found another site many, many years later. And they feel like this is the more traditional side of the, of the tomb. This is the garden tomb. The garden tomb is right outside the walls of Jerusalem. There's a picture of the, the garden tomb. It's obviously much simpler. It's a lot less memorialized. What they've done is they tried to protect that whole garden so that people wouldn't come in and memorialize this tomb. It's much simpler. And inside, it's even simpler. You see the place where, uh, inside the tomb. And Pastor Jamie showed a picture last week of the Golgotha, which is right nearby. And I remember being there at the Garden Tomb with a bunch of other folks, and it was a wonderful time of celebration, just like we had here today. We sang, we had communion together, which we're going to do here in a little bit, and it was a wonderful time of celebration there right outside the Garden Tomb, because we reflected on what Christ did. But I remember being there and thinking, you know, we're here celebrating and there's hundreds of thousands of other people around this garden. They're all celebrating as well. But, you know, for the first Easter, the first Sunday, the women who went to the tomb, they weren't celebrating. The passage we just read from Matthew, when the women were going to the tomb. There was no celebration on their way. They were going very, very somber, Very sad because Jesus had died. Mary Mary went to the tomb. You have to understand, too, that this this, uh, passage is really uh, reflected in four other uh, books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and uh, John, all giving a, a more detailed picture of what happened there at the tomb. And in fact, Mark's gospel, it talks about how Mary, the Marys went and they actually had spices and they were going to put them in the tomb where Jesus was. And they were on the way there, it says in Mark 16, they were very concerned about how they were going to move away the stone, how they were going to get the spices inside. I mean, after all, what good are spices if you can't put them in with the body? But yet God intervened. They were concerned when they went in about trivial things, but yet God intervened. And as we read there in their passage, there was a great earthquake, wasn't there? And the angel rolled away the the, the stone. You know, I wonder if it's a bit of foreshadowing. People coming in with their own concerns about things in life that seem so trivial, and they walk out rejoicing. The only thing they're thinking about is the joy that Christ came out of that grave. God intervened with an earthquake, and the angel was there. As you have in your passage there or in Matthew twenty eight in your service sheets as well, it says in verse five, The angel said to the women, Don't be afraid. For I know that you're looking for Jesus who is crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. You have to understand that Jesus was telling uh, the people throughout his time that he was going to die and, and rise again. I, I often wonder why people were surprised when he did come out of the grave. I mean, he said multiple times, I'm going to die, must die for you, and then walk out of that tomb. It says in Matthew 16, 21, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, that they must be killed and the third day be raised to life. He did exactly what he said he was going to do. That he was going to die and then rise again three days later. And I love what the angel said. He said the angel said, come and see the place where he lay. Come and see. I always thought it was interesting that, that the angel, they, they moved the, the stone. Jesus, who conquered death, who died on the cross, conquered death didn't need the stone to be moved. If he had the power over death, then he could have just transported himself to the outside of the tomb. But yet the angel moved the stone. Why? So they can come and see. They can come and see what happened. Come and see what happened. These soldiers, who were the top soldiers of the, of the day, were lying there like dead men, they said. And the women get to go in and see that Jesus wasn't there, that he was, he was alive, he was risen indeed. And then they were filled with joy. And that's what the resurrection does for us. The resurrection brings to us joy. The resurrection brings to us joy. It says in verse 8, The women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy. And they ran to tell his disciples. They came concerned about how they were going to move the stone, and they walked away with joy. My prayer is for you. Maybe you come in with heavy hearts. Maybe things that you're concerned about about your own life. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's other things going on in life. You come in concerned, but you walk out of here with joy. You realize all that stuff is so trivial now. Because Jesus walked out of the grave alive. And then they met Jesus. And I love this. It says in verse 9, it says, suddenly Jesus met them. I love the fact that Jesus didn't meet them at the tomb, that he was somewhere else. That he met them somewhere else. He meets you this morning. He's here this morning. That's why we say the spirit is all around us. Jesus is here this morning. He comes to meet you. And then I love what Jesus says to the women on the road. Very simple. Verse 9, he just says, readings or hello. How powerful. You know, the church throughout history has often used big terminologies to get us confused about what's really happening. Jesus didn't give some kind of huge sermon to the women, did he? He just says, hello. How you doing? He speaks to each one of us this morning as well. Hello. How are you? And then the women took action, didn't they? They took action. What did they do? They came and clasped his feet. The resurrection causes us also to worship him, doesn't it? It Causes us to worship. You see, you have to understand, this is the pivotal moment here of the resurrection story. It would be tragic for the women if, if if it was just come and see. If it just stopped there. If the women just went inside and saw the tomb and realized, oh, he is risen. That's meat. If it stops at come and see, then it really doesn't mean much to us. But it causes us a response. How do we respond to that? We see that they worshipped him. They they fell down and worshipped him. That causes us a response. Some of us have come to Easter Sunday morning. We want to welcome each and every one of you visitors. Glad that you're here. But if it's just about coming in and seeing what we do here, if it's just coming and seeing, and that's where it ends, then then it's not really doing much for you. It's got to cause a response for us. That's why we worship Him. Because once we understand what Scripture says about our human condition, it only can cause us to worship. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. We were to die because of our sin, because of how we lived our life. But yet God intervened, didn't he? He intervened. Sending his son to die in our place so we wouldn't have to oh, that church, that should bring us such joy. It should cause us to worship. That's why we're up here. We are worshiping with our whole hearts. We're not just putting on a show. We are truly meaning it. We worship Him. God intervened. He's alive. Now, maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, well... Jared, maybe I, I, you know, I haven't really lived my life in a way that I can worship Jesus. I haven't really lived a certain way. I've been denying him. I haven't, you know, maybe this is one of the first few times a year we're at church, and I, I just don't feel like I can actually worship him. I love what Jesus says. He says, go and tell my disciples, my brothers. You know, the disciples weren't there at the tomb. They had gone on their own way but i love what mark mark's gospel says it gets even more detailed mark 16:7 and i've read this a number of times but i didn't get it till this week it says jesus it says but go tell his disciples and peter the angel says to the women, go tell his disciples and Peter. And I read that a number of times and I went, why? Peter was already a disciple. Peter was the, was the rock. He was the one who started, the, the, he was the beginning of the, the Christian church. Why did they specifically say, go and tell his disciples and Peter? And then it hit me. If you've been with us, you know we've been talking about Peter a few weeks ago. Peter, who was a follower of Christ, denied him three times. That was the last time Jesus saw him, he denied him. The disciples, the angel, wanted to make sure. All of heaven wanted to make sure. Peter knew that Jesus was back. No wonder they call it the gospel of second chances. Huh? Peter, who denied Christ three times, and there's still a statue there in Israel as we showed you a picture of, denied him three times. But yet the angel says, go and tell his disciples, and make sure Peter knows. One author said, not many second chances exist in the world today. Just ask the kid who didn't make the little league team or the fellow who got the pink slip or the mother of three who got dumped for a pretty little thing. Not many second chances. Nowadays, it's more like now or never. Around here, we don't tolerate incompetence, not much room at the top. Three strikes and are out. It's a dog-eat-dog world. But with Jesus, there's always a second chance. The message came loud and clear from the celestial throne room through a divine courier. Be sure and tell Peter he gets to bat again. Be sure and tell him that one failure doesn't mean that Jesus isn't here for you. Be sure to let him know. Peter's response is that he went running to the tomb. He just takes off and runs to the tomb. Maybe that's you this morning. You've been denying Christ. You go, you know what, I I don't know. I've never really put him as Lord of my life. I'm telling you what, Jesus is here for you this morning. Some of you may be saying, Well, you know what? Peter was a disciple. He followed Jesus and he, he knew who he was and he had one little slip up. Jared, I've had many, many slip ups. You know, I don't even know if I should be here in church this morning. I don't know if I'm worthy enough to be sitting here singing praises. I don't even know what you guys are doing up front. I've lived my entire life the way I wanted to live. I say, okay, maybe not look at Peter, but you can look at the thief on the cross. You see, we have three crosses up here. Jesus died on the cross, and it says in the scripture that there were two thieves next to him, didn't they? And one of the thieves... Realized at the end of his life that Jesus was the Messiah. He was the one who was innocent. He had not sinned, but he was dying for him. And in Luke 23, 42, it says, the thief says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered, Truly, I tell you, today you'll be with me in paradise. Oh, that's powerful. I love what the thief said. He said, remember me. Jesus, not take me home. He says, remember me. Remember me for all the good I've done. Remember this last moment of my life that I, that I, that I recognized you. Just remember me. You don't have to take me home. Just remember me. And Jesus says, I'm not even just going to remember you. I'm going to say, you're gonna be, I'm going to take you home today with me. I'm going to take you Today. Not after you've been good enough. Not after you've made some list of all the things that you've done right in life. Today you'll be with me in paradise. We sang that song at the beginning of our service. Paradise. That's what Jesus is saying to him. He says, listen, I'm going to take it one step further. I'm going to take it one step further. I'm going to take you today. Because it's my grace. It's not about what you've done. It's not about how good you've been. It's because of what I'm doing here on the cross. I'm coming to you. You're not coming to me. I love it. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe that's you this morning. And today you can be with him. You realize you have sinned. We've all have sinned. We all have done things our own way. We've never made Jesus the Lord. We've never asked for forgiveness from that. We have never made him the Lord of our life. Today you could say, Lord Jesus, I understand that you died for me, that you rose again. And I want to be with you in heaven. I want to have a relationship with you. And that's why the resurrection also gives us hope. The resurrection gives us hope. It says in John 14, Jesus says, My father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, I would not have told you. But I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. That you may also be where I am. Oh, the resurrection gives us so much hope. It gives us so much joy. It causes us to worship. It causes us a response. How do we respond to that? The question is, is: Do you believe it? Do you believe it? You know, throughout history, people have been coming up with ideas and stories. Of what really happened at the resurrection. Because if Jesus really did rise from the dead, it changes everything, doesn't it? It changes everything. Because he conquered the grave. And he goes to prepare a place for us. It changes everything. And throughout history, people have been coming up with stories of why that didn't happen. It happened just here, all the way back to the, the, the very beginning. You know, we read the passage from Matthew 28. If you go on... Uh, In verse 11, uh, 12, 13, it talks about what happened to the soldiers, these soldiers. You see, the soldiers were terrified because here they are, the tomb is empty, and they're responsible. They're the ones guarding it. So they're terrified. And the leaders are terrified because they think, hey, if this gets out, it changes everything, doesn't it? So Matthew 28, verse 12 Two verses later says, when the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money. Telling them, you are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. I can just imagine the guards having to tell that story to other people. Having to tell that story. That, uh, you know what? He didn't rise. He, the body was stolen. The question is, is do you believe it? Because if you believe it, it changes everything. It causes us joy. It causes us to worship. And gives us so much hope. We're going to come to the communion table here in a moment. So I'm going to ask David to come and prepare our hearts with music as we prepare our hearts to take communion together. But I can imagine... I can imagine the Roman soldier going back, maybe to the barracks. And another soldier coming up and going, hey, what happened at the tomb? What, what happened there? I hear Jesus is gone. And I can imagine the soldier saying, well, here's what happened. Uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, we fell asleep. And the disciples came, and they, they rolled away the, the stone, and they stole the body. That's what happened. That's exactly what happened. And I can see the friend going, huh, what an interesting story. The disciples came and while you were sleeping, that is that's amazing. I thought you were a good soldier but you're an amazing sleeper. It does leave me with some other questions though. It leaves me with the question of if you were sleeping, how'd you know it was the disciples who came? How'd you know it was 11 of them? And why did they unwrap the body and leave the linens behind? And I can see the soldier going, I, you know, i Just what what happened? I can see the friend saying, "You know what? Why don't you hold that story? Maybe what happened is exactly what Jesus said was going to happen. Maybe what happened is exactly how He predicted it was going to happen. That He was going to die and rise again three days later. Maybe that's what happened. And boy, does that give me so much hope!" knowing that he's going to come back and he's going to take me home because I know him and then call him Lord and Savior. Maybe that's what happened. The question for you this morning is, have you ever responded to Jesus? Why not this Sunday, Easter Sunday, where you recognize, you know what? Jesus did die for me. He rose again three days later. And I want to come to Jesus. I don't want to conjure up any stories why it didn't happen. I don't want to question it anymore. I just want to come and say, you know what, Jesus, I've denied you. Maybe you can say, I haven't lived my life the way I wanted to live. And now's my opportunity. Maybe I've never made you Lord of my life. Maybe I've never bowed down and worshipped you because of what you've done for me. You've intervened in my life. Maybe you need a second chance. Today could be that day. The women came to the tomb concerned. They walked away filled with joy. That's my hope and prayer for you today. You walk away filled with joy. Worshiping him because of what he's done. Because it gives you so much hope. Let's pray. Well, God, we thank you for today, Lord Jesus. I thank you for what you've done for us on the cross. Lord, it causes us only to be able to respond in worship. Lord, that's all we can do this morning. Is respond to you in worship by what you've done. Dying on the cross for us. For our sin. You took that penalty. Lord Jesus. And you rose again three days later. And that you go and prepare a place for us. Oh, Lord Jesus, it gives us so much hope. Lord, I pray for the one or two or... Six or maybe half a dozen or a dozen or 20, 30 people in this room maybe who've never, ever recognized that. Who maybe have never called you Lord and Savior. Lord Jesus, I pray that you prepare their hearts. You speak to them this morning as you show up and you look at us, each one of us in the face, and you say, hello. Maybe you're that one person in this room this morning who you've never given your life to Christ. You've been denying it all your life or you need a second chance going to give you the opportunity to be able to accept him as Lord and Savior so that today you'll know that you can be with him forever. It's as simply as praying this prayer. Jesus is here. You're not praying it to me, the people around you. You're praying it to our Lord and Savior who's here present with you. who hears you. Simply say, dear Lord Jesus, I understand that I am a sinner and I can't earn my way. Lord, I ask that you save me. Forgive me of my sins. Lord Jesus, thank you for what you've done for me. Thank you for dying. Thank you for rising again. Lord Jesus, I want to make you the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. For having a relationship with me. Lord, I'm so full of joy, so full of hope, and I only can respond to bowing at your feet and worshiping you. So, Lord Jesus, I want to make that commitment today to make you the Lord of my life. And, Lord Jesus, we thank you for those hearts that are changed here today that walk in with concerns but can walk out with joy, walk out in worship, walk out with hope until one day you come back and you call us all home and you said you could say to us, each one of us, see, I told you. I told you I'd come back for you. I did exactly what I said I would do. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful. Prepare our hearts now as we take communion. So we remember what you did for us on the cross. Your body broken, your blood shed. I ask this all in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.